0: If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to John chapter 21. We're going to be in John chapter 21 this morning, and we're going to get there in just a moment. Uh, John chapter 21. Let me ask you a question as you're turning, If you don't have a Bible, one in the chairs uh, before you or uh, underneath that chair rack in front of you or behind you, you should be able to grab one nearby and uh, turn to John chapter 21 with us. Uh, as you're turning there, let me um, ask you a question. Have you ever come to the end of your day... And uh, someone asks you, how was your day? And as you're thinking, you know, you could give the perfunctory, oh, fine, or whatever, but then you, you stop and you want to answer it honestly for, a, for them. And you think about it, and you know that you were busy, but you're not quite sure what you did. <laughs> you kinda like, have a day. Am I the only one? Anyone ever have a day like that? Yeah. Like, you're like, okay... Um, let's see, I answered some emails, um, I talked to some people, I had lunch at some point in there, and now I'm home, and like, like you have your day, and you know you've been busy, and you know you've been doing things, but you're not quite sure what you did, and more to the point, maybe you're not quite sure you did anything really important or significant, I remember the first time I heard, or when I heard about the principle. I think it was Stephen Covey, you know, came up with the distinction between the urgent and the important. And how so many of us spend so much time on the urgent that we never get to the important things in our lives, right? And, and sometimes that's true. You know, you're doing these things. Oh, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm tired. I'm just going to open up some emails. And then like four hours later, you're like, oh, what am I doing here? And you get to all these things and you're busy but are you busy about what matters? A lot of us know what we're supposed to be doing. I hope you do. I hope you have that clarity on like what's important and what you're supposed to be doing. But even when we know it, we have a tendency to drift away from it. We have a tendency to kind of drift away from what we know we're supposed to be doing, what's important for us to do, and we end up not really doing it. It's like setting your New Year's resolution at the beginning of the year, and you're like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to the gym, I'm getting in shape, I'm doing it this year, I've got the ab roller, I've got the gym membership, I've got all, you know, you got the whatever, the Hercules bars, I don't know what they have, P90X, you're doing it all, and you start it in a week, and it's great, and then like, three weeks later, you're like, yeah, I'm pretty much doing what I did before, right, which is, and you're not a conscious decision, just a drifting and that's one thing when it happens with your physical health, that's one thing when it happens at different place in your life, but I want to talk this morning because I think it happens in our spiritual lives as well. Amen. I think there's a spiritual drift that takes place in our lives that we can know where we're called to go, what we're called to be, and we don't maybe make an intentional decision or whatever, but we kind of drift away from what God has called us to do. And why is that? I want to talk this morning about why is it that we drift away and how can we get back on task to what God has called us to do? And we're going to be looking specifically in the life of one person, a group of guys, but one person in particular who seems to drift away from what God has called him to do. So we're going to look at that in John chapter 21 in just a moment. Now, if you're you're somewhat keen and paying attention and you've been here a little while... You're going, Pastor Rick, John 21. Okay, I'm not that sharp, but I think last week you preached out of John 16. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not a math guy, maybe, maybe, but, but 16, 21, you're skipping a big chunk of scripture there. And 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 in fact, as I glance over it, maybe you're flipping through your Bible, you're skipping over some pretty important stuff between chapter 16 and verse 20 and chapter 21, namely the trial, betrayal, crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some pretty important stuff to those of us who are Christians and followers of Jesus. Uh, in fact, the foundational parts of our faith. And you're saying, Pastor Rick, are you really going to skip over the crucifixion and the resurrection? And I'm going to say, no, I'm not. Uh, let me remind you that when we started this series, if you were here when we started it, way back on Easter um, we actually started this series on Good Friday. And we actually started John on Good Friday and Easter with chapters. 18, 19, 20, with the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I'm not skipping it. We actually covered it first. And if you want to hear that, go back and hear the podcast and you can listen to Easter Sunday and Good Friday and hear those messages. And we are going to return actually the last message in this book. Uh, September 2nd is the last message in our John series. And we're going to return once again to the crucifixion and the resurrection of why we believe what uh, the gospel of John has said in the testimonies about Jesus. But today we're going to chapter 21. And what we're going to look at in chapter 21, consider these questions. Why is it that you drift spiritually from what God has called you to do? And how do you get back to it? That's what we're going to look at. Let me read for you what the Word of God says. John chapter 21. Here's what it says. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written the gospel according to John. Where are we in the story? Well, as I said, John chapters 17, 18, 19, and 20, a lot has happened. Judas betrayed, Jesus was tried, Peter denied, disciples deserted, Jesus crucified, Jesus placed in a tomb, Jesus resurrected, Jesus appeared, and that's where we are, John chapter 21. And that's what happened. All of this happened. Peter has denied Jesus, He's been crucified, Jesus. He's risen from the dead. He's appeared. And now, Jesus has risen from the dead, ultimately defeated death in the grave, He's extended salvation from sins and eternal life with God to all who will put their faith in him. It is the most remarkable event that has happened in all of human history. Time will be split itself based on this occurrence of of time before Christ and time after, uh, time during Christ's reign on the earth as we would look at it as Christians. This message is so powerful that within a few hundred years uh, of this, much of the known world will know the name of Jesus And the emperor of Rome himself within the fourth century will profess to be a Christian. This is an incredibly significant moment in all of history. And these men were there, they were eyewitnesses. And so, what do they do? They go fishing, they go fishing. I mean, what they're saying here is if you were there and maybe you heard about all that Jesus had done and you thought, man, I'm hearing these stories about Jesus. I'm hearing how incredibly it happened. I know Peter. I know where he lived. I am going to go and get the story straight from the horse's mouth. And you go over to Peter's house and you look in and the door is shut and everything's quiet and you're peering around and no one seems to be around. And you go around the back of the house and you see on the little sign on the door that says, gone fishing. And you think, how can this be? The most significant moment in all of human history. What do you want to do, guys? Let's go fishing. Now, to be fair and completely honest, we don't know why Peter and the boys go fishing. Much has been made of it in Christian scholarship. Were they abandoning their spiritual work? Were they going back to their old ways of life? With Jesus gone, did they not know just what to do next? Did they think the whole Jesus calling thing was over? Were they simply hungry? We don't know. God doesn't tell us. But what we do know is that prior to this instance in the book of John, we don't see them fishing since Jesus called them first out of that fishing industry. And then after this instance that I'm going to call the recall... I think Jesus recalls them. So after the recall, we never hear of them fishing again. Book of Acts, you don't see them going out fishing. The Early church, you don't hear of them fishing. All we know is that before this, their life with Jesus, they didn't fish. After this, their life with Jesus, they didn't fish. But here they are. Jesus is resurrected. They don't know what to do. They go fishing. Before we're too hard on Peter and the boys let's remember that aren't we all kind of like that sometimes? Because it was not just these disciples that had a call on their life. All disciples of Jesus have a call on their lives. And if you are a follower of Jesus and you are a Christian, you have a call on your life. You have a general call on your life that all followers of Jesus have when Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And you and I, any one of us who call ourselves Christian, we all have that general call and general mission on our lives. And you have a specific call. You have a particular context where God has placed you. You have particular gifts and talents that God has put you in. You have a particular people that God has put you in relationship with. You have a specific call on your life. And we all have these. But like these first disciples, we don't always find ourselves working in our call, but rather out in a boat fact there may be times in your day when you're about doing things that are keeping you busy but maybe not important that someone comes by and you don't even realize that there's an opportunity that God has given you. That someone is looking for more information. That someone is looking for more about this life with Jesus and you might not recognize it because you in a sense have hung out the gone fishing sign. Because we're not thinking about it because we've drifted away How is it that we can be in church on a Sunday morning excited singing great about what God has done and yet drift away from the call that God has from us? Why does it happen and how do we get back? Three quick reasons why I think it happens what we see in this story in the account of these guys in the boat. The first one is this. How do we drift from the call? I think the first one is delay. I think sometimes we delay. You know that God has called you. You know that God has something for you to do in your life. You know that God has a purpose for you. But you've got a lot of other things to do. And at some point, you're going to get to it. And we put it off and we delay and we say, well, God, when I get to this place in life, when my, when my kids are this age, when, my, when I'm married, when I'm, you know, when, when I've got this going on, when the house is here, when the job is here, when the promotion's here, when I got this degree, when I've got this in place all this time, then I'll be in a place for me to be able to do what God has called me and told me to do. So we delay. And I think Peter and the guys, what are we supposed to do? Well, I don't know we've always been fishing, why don't we go fishing? We delay. It's not that we don't care. It's not that we even intentionally make sometimes a decision. Sunday was great, and we heard from God, and we had maybe a great experience. God gets a hold of your heart. You understand your love for him. He lets you know he has a purpose for your life, but then it's Sunday afternoon, or it's Monday morning. Or it's Monday afternoon and that sermon is long gone. And it's Monday. And on Monday there's no worship team there for you. Wouldn't it be great if Aaron and Jesse and the team were following you around on Monday afternoon. And you got Aaron strumming his guitar. Singing about the love of Jesus all the time. And you know, you got Jessie playing the piano on your shoulder and she's singing about the never-ending love of God. You go, oh yeah, the never-ending love of God. And you got the worship team following. It is great, but it doesn't happen that way because it's Monday. There's no worship team following you around. There's no prayer team there ready to pray for you. And there's no pastor preaching the word. It's Monday. And you drift on Monday. You drift on Monday. Because on a Monday, there's a time clock to punch. There's bills to pay. On Monday, there's emails to answer, dirty diapers to change, school supplies to purchase, invitations to respond to, meals to plan, text messages, a resume to polish, tensions in your marriage, challenges with your kids, friends who are mean to you, social media to check, news feeds to watch. It's Monday. And we drift on Monday we drift. Somehow in the midst of that, you come to the end of your day and someone asks you, how was your day? And you say, fine. Because you were busy. You just did Monday. You didn't intentionally walk away or hang out the gone fishing sign. You just drifted by the way. Ah, tomorrow's Tuesday. We'll get it tomorrow, Lord. We'll do it Tomorrow. It wasn't that Peter was at all done with Jesus. He jumps out of the boat half naked. He wants to see Jesus. But prior to him being there, he just kind of did Monday. Went fishing. If we're not careful, we can come to church and have a wonderful, meaningful experience with Jesus, but then leave not in a car, but in the same boat we came in. Just get out on the boat and we're fishing. And we encountered his presence But we haven't been changed. Second reason we drift from the call, I think, is sometimes distraction. Distraction. We get distracted. We know the call of God, but we start looking other directions. We start looking at other things. And specifically from this passage, I think we start looking at other people. See, Peter was walking with Jesus, but thinking about John. Did you catch that in the passage? Peter was walking with Jesus, but thinking about John. Because it says in here, Peter says, you know, he's walking with Jesus, and they're talking, and Jesus is, you know, ministering to Peter. And that says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John's way of referring to himself. So Peter's walking, and he kind of looks over his shoulder, and he sees John. And this is just after Jesus had told Peter basically how he's going to die. And Peter's like, well, what about this guy? You know, I'm not, I'm not even making this up. He actually says, you know, to him, he says, Lord, what about this man? I'm not even, I don't even have to paraphrase that. And you hear him and you say, what about this man? And I love Jesus's response because he recognizes it for what it is. This isn't Peter wanting some information he needs. This isn't Peter like looking into, you know, let me watch over and I need this information. This is Peter just being nosy. And so Jesus says, if it's my will that he will remain until I come, what is that to you? And then he says, you follow me. In other words, he says, "John, get, Peter, get your eyes off John and get your eyes back on me and stop getting so distracted from what I've called you to. If I can translate Jesus' words into some parental parlance that, that we use in our house that Wendy and I use at times when the kids will ask things, we would say, I'd say, Jesus is saying, it's nanya. And that's what we would say to our kids, because they know when we say, they say, Oh, what is this? They say it's nanya. And they say, What's nanya? It's nanya business. <laughs> and that's that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, Peter, what are you asking about? It's none of your business. Get your eyes off of John. Get your eyes back on me. And focus on the things that you're supposed to be focused on. You're getting distracted. And we do too. We get distracted. Someone asks you, what'd you do with Jesus today? Well, I know I thought about Jesus. Well, let me think. Oh yeah, I spent a few hours on Facebook looking at other people's posts talking about Jesus, looking at what they were doing. I searched for these new Christian songs, listened to maybe some new sermons and podcasts. We spend time looking at, admiring, judging the work that other people are doing with God. And all the while, I think God says, would you get your eyes off? Stop getting distracted by what someone else is doing or what I'm doing in someone else's life or what I'm doing in someone else's place. And would you put your eyes back on me? Stop getting distracted by it. This has been happening for pastors ever since the time of Peter. Peter. Peter looks back and says, you know, pastors these days, they don't have to look behind them and see John. They just look at their Instagram feed. They look at what this church is doing. Look at what that church is doing. What would this pastor is doing? And I think all the while, God says to people like me and pastors, get your eyes off of that. Get your eyes back on me. We get distracted. We get distracted and it causes us to drift away from the call that God has placed on our lives. Because if you're not thinking about the call and you're not thinking about what you're supposed to be doing and you're thinking about and focused on what God's doing in someone else's life, then you're missing what God wants to do in your life right there in that moment. There's a lot of talk these days about distracted driving. And it's dangerous, right? I mean, I mean, we've all know it happens. I'm not going to ask you if you did it, or you've done it, or you do it. But we all know, we've all been at that place where you're sitting at a red light, you're the second car there, and the light turns green, and 30 seconds later, the car in front of you hasn't moved, and you know exactly why. Because their eyes are down here instead of on the light, and you are fuming and getting mad, and these distracted drivers Or you, you know, you drive down the road and you see people and they're looking, their eyes are just below their dashboard and there's all these warnings about distracted driving, as there should be. It's dangerous. But you know what's more dangerous than a distracted driver looking at their phone? You know what's more dangerous than that? Me, looking for the distracted drivers looking at their phones so I can judge them about being distracted drivers. So I'm driving down the road going, oh, that one's looking at their phone. Oh, that one's looking at their phone. Oh, yeah. I'm more distracted than the distracted drivers by looking for people who are looking at their phone while they're driving. It's dangerous. It's dangerous to me and people in my car. It's dangerous to people around me when we do distracted driving. It's true. But here's the thing. I think a lot of us are distracted followers of Jesus Christ. I think a lot of us are saying that we follow Jesus but we are a distracted follower of Jesus. That we've got our eyes on something else. We're driving down the road. We say we're driving down following Jesus, but we like looking over there and we're looking over here and we're looking down here and we're looking everywhere but Jesus. And it's dangerous. It's dangerous to your soul and it's dangerous to the souls of people that God puts around you in your life that he's called you to meet because God will bring people into your life for you to meet, for you to minister to and if you are so distracted with your eyes everywhere else all they're going to see is a gone fishing sign and they're going to miss it third thing third thing uh, there is there, it's delay, distraction I think another reason we drift and this is the one Peter it's denial, denial And here it is. You may say, well, I've not done it like that, but just listen for a second. Because denial is the fact that I think Peter knew that he had failed Jesus. He knew, no one had to say it to Peter. He knew as soon as that rooster crowed for that third time, if you go back and read it in the book of John, you go back, he knew he had denied Jesus. He knew he had lied to Jesus because he told Jesus, Jesus, look, even if all fall away, not me, I'll die with you. And he knew he had denied Jesus. And so Jesus is gone, and what does he do? Well, his father was a fisherman. His father before him was probably a fisherman. Probably fisherman going way back. I mean, it wasn't like nowadays. You don't go to college and then pick what you want to be. You It's chosen for you. You're born into it. So he knows how to fish. So let's go fishing. Amen probably had to be some sense of thinking. He wondered if he had disqualified himself from the call. He had denied. He had deserted. He had lied. So let's go fishing. Hangs out the phone, the sign, and gets in the boat. But God has a call on Peter's life. Same thing for you and for me. Maybe you've been in a situation where you know that God had called you. You knew that God had a purpose and a plan. You came and you had an interaction with God and God had saved you and God had changed your life and God had put a call on your life. But then somewhere along the road, you messed up. You messed up. You denied him. Oh, maybe it wasn't someone that said, do you love Jesus the way they did to Peter? Or you're a follower of Jesus the way they did to Peter and he vehemently cursed and swore and called down and made an oath saying, I don't even know the man. No, maybe it wasn't like that. But it was you going to church on a Sunday morning worshiping the Lord and singing praises to God and then going home on a Monday and living life exactly the opposite way and allowing your life and your mind and your body to go places that you knew Jesus didn't want you to go and allowing you to be and live a hypocritical life that you knew God wasn't calling you to live. And at some point along the line, you know, you denied Jesus as your Lord. I mean, you still follow him, you're here, but you wonder if you've disqualified yourself from the call. You wonder if what you've done has disqualified you from the call that you knew one time you had on your life. That maybe God can't use me now. Maybe, maybe God can't use me now. You hurt people, you deserted Jesus Maybe you feel I had my opportunity and I blew it so you might as well hang out the gone fishing sign and get back in the boat. But Jesus had another plan for Peter and he has another plan for you and the plan is the recall. Jesus makes a recall. See a recall is issued when the product isn't working the way the manufacturer had intended it to work. And so Jesus issues a recall on Peter. He gives him a new call. Comes to Peter. And the recall happens with two important components. And we're familiar with them because John introduced us to them way back in chapter 1. When we first saw Jesus come on the scene way back in John chapter 1. John introduced him with these words. Jesus was full of grace and truth. And when he calls those first disciples, he calls them full of grace and truth. And when he recalls Peter, he recalls him with grace and truth. See, he comes to Peter full of grace. And you're going to have to, if you're in this situation where you feel like you've deserted, you've delayed, or you've been distracted, or you've denied Jesus, you're going to have to be faced not only with grace, but with truth. But Jesus comes to him full of grace because Peter didn't deserve it. Remember, Jesus comes to Peter, and all Peter deserved was to be kicked to the curb. Man, you, I, Peter, Jesus could have said, I knew what was in you. I told you what was in you. I told you this was going to happen. You didn't believe me. It happened. We're done. But he doesn't do that. Comes to him full of grace. Comes to him and says, let's have breakfast together. And then he comes to him and he talks to him to restore him. He comes giving him a second chance. He comes giving him a third chance. He comes offering restoration and hope and he comes in grace, making the first move and God always does this and he does this with you and if you've come to the place where you have denied or deserted or left God and you know that the life that you lived has not been the life that God would want you to live, he comes to you full of grace, offering you, offering you a way back offering you hope, offering you a, another uh, chance at the call, offering you another opportunity to be in relationship. He comes, he does not write you off, he comes to you full of grace. But he comes in truth too. It wasn't this greasy grace of, hey Peter, let's just swipe this onto the carpet, we're gonna, we're gonna move on, you know, we forget this ever happened and uh, let's go, you know, forget about this, don't worry about it. It's all covered by the cross anyways and let's move on. Now he confronts him in truth. And you know this by the clues that are in the passage that might be overlooked if you're not careful. John makes it very clear that what Jesus is doing with these three questions is confronting what Peter did in his three denials. You know this because he asked the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? The last time that Jesus called him by name was actually way back in chapter one. And he said, your name will no longer be Simon. It will be Peter because you will be a rock. But he has shown himself to be anything other than a rock. And Jesus calls him not Peter, but Simon. The name he had before he had encountered Jesus. He says, Simon, son of John. Do you love me? Another clue in the text is that uh, that Jesus has cooked breakfast on what's described as a charcoal fire. Small detail might be overlooked, but if you are familiar with the Greek, you would know the only other time in the book of John that word for charcoal fire is used is when Peter is warming himself around a charcoal fire when he denies Jesus. John is reminding us that this is hearkening back to that moment. Another clue is the first time Jesus asked the question. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And what is the these? Well, people have argued about that. What are the these? Is it more than you love these other disciples? Well, that doesn't make much sense. Peter, that wasn't Peter at all. He was always all out for Jesus. Or is it more than these, meaning the fish? You know, do you you love me more than this way of life? Maybe, could be. But I think what makes the most sense is Jesus was confronting Peter's hubris of words that he said earlier when he said, even if all fall away, not me, Lord, not me. I'll stick with you even if I have to die. And Jesus in his first question, Peter, do you love me more than these? Because... You said you did, but we know now what happened. I think he's confronting me with truth. Peter, With apart from me, it's, it, you can do nothing. It's not about your hubris. It's not about your, your, your machismo, Peter. It's not about that. He says, do you love me more than these? And he, he confronts him, and he brings up. But then, of course, the, the, the hallmark is that he asked it three times. And it says the third time he asked him, Peter was grieved. Well, why was he grieved? Because he's tired of Jesus asking him questions? No, because he knows he denied Jesus three times. And now Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? And he's restoring him. And he's offering him another opportunity and he's offering him a recall and he's offering him another chance and he's saying you don't have to be kicked to the corner and you don't have to be, you know, this doesn't mean it's all over, but it happens through grace and truth. And it's the same thing with you and with me. That maybe you have drifted away from your call and you have drifted away from what you know God has called you to do this morning is your opportunity to come back. And God comes to you full of grace, but also full of truth. Knowing what you've done, of course, but offering you a way back to him and a way back to the call he's given you. Jesus calls and issues recalls. And he does that to you. It's not... The malfunction is not what Jesus' is call. It's with our inability to follow the call. Peter denied and we deny. Peter delayed and we delay. Peter got distracted and we get distracted. Maybe you've made bold promises and commitments that fizzled out to small actions. And yet Jesus comes to you full of grace and truth. Maybe you've gone back to your old way of life. You actually have hung out the gone fishing sun. No point. I mean, I'll come to church, I'll warm a seat on Sunday morning, but God can't use me. If God can use a lying, denying, deserter like Peter, he can use you. And he can forgive you. And he has a plan and a purpose for you. He doesn't, doesn't want you to hang out that sign and just go about this life just biding your time. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. Jesus is standing on the shore and asking you the question, do you love me? And if you do, you'll do what I have called you to do. I'm going to ask our music ministry to return as we close our service this morning and respond to God's word. Perhaps today you're reminded of something God called you to do, and it's not that you don't want to do it, but you tried, and you failed in some way, or well, you can't really put your finger on it, but you drifted from the call. Good news. Jesus issues recalls, and today Jesus is extending to you both grace and truth. He's offering you the opportunity for recalls. So as we close out this time together as we respond to God's word. I'm going to ask you to stand and I want to pray and ask you to respond. Maybe you're here this morning <clears throat> and you know the call of God that he has on your life. You know that God has given you a task and a work. He has called you to do something. Now it could be like a missionary like Dennis and Jenny. You know that God has called you to go someplace and if he has, you better go. Maybe God has called you to fish. Well, you better go fish. Fish. Maybe God, I don't know what he's called you to do. Called you to serve in children's ministry. Called you to share Jesus with somebody at work. Called you to start something that you haven't started yet. But you haven't done it. This morning is your opportunity to come to God. Say, God, I I don't want to delay anymore. I don't want to get distracted anymore. I'm not going to let denials or what I've done in the past to keep me from the call that you have on my life that this morning, today and this moment I'm going to pursue the work that you have for me. That I'm going to pursue that purpose and that mission that you have. And if that's where you are this morning, I encourage you to respond to God's Word by coming to Him. And say, God, I'm coming after that call. I want that call. I don't want to be delayed or distracted. I want to pursue it with my whole heart, with all my passion, with all that is within me. If that's you, I encourage you to respond to God's Word. But if you're here this morning and maybe you're saying you're a follower of Jesus, but you don't know the call yeah you know you have that general call of, uh, of everyone making disciples but you don't know the specific call you don't know, you want to know what God wants for you, then this morning is the perfect opportunity for you to ask God God what is it you have for me God, I love you. I want to serve you. I want to give my whole life for you. Everything I have is yours. What do you want from me? Where can I serve you? What is your call on my life? Maybe it's been a while since you've brought that question to God. This morning, this is the moment to come to God and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? Because I'm fine out here on the water fishing, if that's what you want me to do. But if you've got something else that I need to be about, that I need to be putting my energy and my time and my effort and my energy into, then God, just show me. Show me. Open up my eyes to the people around me that you have called me to reach and touch. Open up my heart to respond to what you've called me to do. And so I'm going to pray, and as the worship team plays, there's going to be some of our elders who will be up front, and they're going to be available to pray with you. If you've got any prayer need, they'll pray with you. But if you have something on this message, and you want someone to pray with you, maybe you need to confess, I've been distracted, I've denied, and would you pray for me? Or maybe you're coming, you're saying, I don't know the call of God in my life, and I want to know the call of God on my life, would you pray for me? You can do that with these up front, or you can come and maybe just stand here, or kneel here, and come and seek God's face and say God I need you I want to know that call God I want to pursue that call in my life this is that time just to respond to God's word and encounter the living God don't leave this room if you don't know that call don't leave this room without asking God to show it to you this is a sacred moment because once you leave this room it's Sunday afternoon and it's quickly Monday and you'll be tempted to get distracted and you get tempted to have your face and your heart turned to other things. But now, in this moment, come to God. Listen to his voice. Let him speak to you. Father, we are prone to wander, as the hymnist wrote so many years ago. Our hearts are so prone to wander, God. Lord, we drift. We drift away from you. We drift away in our walk with you. We drift away from your call. We drift away from your work. But Lord, in this moment, today, this morning, right here, would you call us back? Or would you just do the work that you need to do in our lives? Those that just need to be forgiven and experience the grace and truth, would you just do that even now as they come to you? Those that need to know the call that you have and the work that you have for their wife, would you this morning speak, open our ears, and Lord, would your voice speak to us, Lord. Lead us now, we pray. We ask it, Lord, that you would lead us. Speak to us.